The Western Hockey League season is in full swing and the Two Paper Guys podcast has you covered. Hear reaction on news and storylines in Medicine Hat, Prince Albert, and around the league. The podcast starts right here, right now. Here's your host, Nathan Ryder of the Prince Albert Daily Herald, and James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News. Welcome back to episode number 11 of the Two Paper Guys podcast. Nathan and James with you as per usual on this Wednesday, still morning, still morning for another 20 minutes or so in Saskatchewan. I know you, you don't touch your clock, so it's still a little bit uh, earlier for you. Yeah, it's nice. It's uh, it's nothing like having two different time zones to try to play and uh, plan stuff like this, but uh, I love it. It's a nice morning so far, and... Uh, just ready to talk some WHL. There you go. And I guess before we jump into the main meat and potatoes of this episode, what we'll talk about first is, I guess, the major news in the Western Hockey League that's taken place since the last time we recorded, and that's been Swift Current Broncos head coach Devin Pratt suspended indefinitely by the Western Hockey League for what? What exactly did they call it? It was. Uh, it was an alleged incident on practice at practice on Monday, and this came out last Tuesday, which would have been the oh boy, uh, I'm doing quick math in my head, the fifteenth, I believe. Yeah, the fourteenth. Fourteenth, you're right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was about an alleged incident at practice on Monday, and it was the video is out there. People have seen it. I've seen it. Nathan's seen it. Um. Yeah, he's suspended indefinitely because he's slashed a stick out of defenseman Josh Fluker's hand. And apparently there's more to the video that's not shown. So I can't speculate on that, obviously. But um, yeah, it's a, tr- it's a tricky situation because, um, as I've mentioned before to you, Nathan, and to other people, that if this happened 20 years ago, I don't know if this is a problem. I don't know if this is something someone's getting reprimanded for, but it's not 20 years ago. And that's where that ends. It's not 20 years ago. You can't do that anymore. And so we'll see what the result is suspended indefinitely. Doesn't mean he's fired or anything. It just means there's no timetable yet and he's away from the team. So we'll see how this shakes out, but I, I don't know. It just, yeah, you can't do it anymore. So why, I don't know how that gets in someone's head to do that. Yeah, and just based on what I saw on the video, in my opinion, that there's a time and there's a time and a place where if you need to, to tell a guy how it is and not beat around the bush, and that's uh, and that's behind closed doors in the coach's office. That's why they 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 have coaches' offices for all every team in the league, right? It's so that they yeah. can have one on one meetings with guys, and if they need to to tell a guy that, give the guy that. An opportunity to, or the coach, the opportunity to tell a player if you didn't have the greatest practice that day. That's what it's for, so you don't embarrass the guy in front of the entire team. Yeah, and if you feel that you need to make not make an example, because that's still outdated thinking almost, but just show the team that that kind of practice, if that was the issue, isn't acceptable. There's video time. Teams record practices for a reason so they can see other team practices. And you can point that out that this is how we, we can't prepare like this to get better. So 
there is time and places. I understand emotions arise, but you have to be able to control your emotions. And again, we'll see what happens here. But just uh, it is a little disappointing that this is now the second coach this season that's been suspended indefinitely. Obviously, Kevin Constantine was uh, dismissed from the Wenatchee Wild earlier this year for a very different issue. But this is twice now. And, you know, it's just not a very good look in the league. Hockey right now is in a very sensitive light for very good reasons because a lot of hockey people have done some very bad things that have been un- uncovered lately. But yeah, it's just, it's not a good look for the league. So I think they're going to maybe take, I don't know if they would take that into thought when they handle this, but uh, it's just not a, not a good time around the league right now for yeah. stuff like that. The play is very good on the ice. It's great for 99, 99% of everyone else. It's great. But it's just it's these few incidents that keep popping up. Yeah, and I don't. I know this is com- comparing apples to oranges here. Like obviously the, the 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 Western Hockey League has had two coaches um, suspended indefinitely. But other than that, I don't think any coaches have been relieved just normally because of performance reasons. Unlike what we're seeing in the uh, Ontario Hockey League this season. Which is a whole um, conversation, but Dan Price and Victoria, I think, right? His name is Dan Price. I should know his name. Yeah. Um, right. James Patrick took over for him. That's the only one I can see. That's the only one I know of. That, uh, uh, yeah. And I think there's been what you you know the O better than I do, but I think it's been like four or five coaching <laughs> changes in that league already this year. There's been a lot of coaching changes, or people asked to step down, or it's crazy junior hockey. Um, you get into cycles like this where that's the, the the idea is, well, you can't trade the whole team, and so we'll just uh, we'll get a new coach. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's it's crazy in the OHL right now. If you're a head coach, unless you were in the the, the league finals last year, then you might want to worry. Like, I, I Dale Hunter's okay. <laughs> there, that's there about you, it. There you go. That's our quota of talking about the Ontario Hockey League for this week. But um, moving on to Tiger Tigers and Raiders land, I guess uh, the big the big thing. It's been a strong start to the season for Medicine Hat so so far this year. I believe they're neck and neck with the Saskatoon Blades, despite having played two more games than the Blades. But just kind of talk about the start to the season. How you've seen? I know we've talked about this many times before, but just uh, the stretch as of recently since the last recording. How you kind of evaluate the Tigers here? Yeah, and actually, uh, the Tigers have caught up to the Blades. They both played 22 games. I mean, the Tigers will play tonight, so to go behind the fourth wall, I don't think Swift Current plays uh, tonight. So it'll Tigers will jump ahead one game again. But yeah, it's this is exactly where the Tigers. Oh, they do play tonight, so both teams will be at 23. Not that that matters, but for the Tigers, this is the kind of the start you want, right? You want to be at top of the conference, top of your division, and. The thing with this good start is that there's still things they want to improve on. They're not happy. They uh, they want to be able to hold leads better. They've given up three. They've blown leads three times this season for a loss, and I think that's kind of stuck in their heads. And they take a lot of penalties. Like they're top three most penalized teams in the league. So you, you just can't have that. So while it's been a good start here, there's a lot to improve on, and I think that's kind of how. Uh, what kind of a team head coach Willie Desjardins wants is that 
you can never stop improving because once you stop and become stagnant, it's when you start picking up losses. So we'll see. They came off a nice win Saturday against Brandon. Nice 3-2 win, held on to the lead, and we'll see how they can keep rolling off that. And I think the thing that stands out to me about Medicine Hat, like, yeah, they're 14-6-2 and two right now, and they're tops in the Central Division by four points at the moment over Lethbridge, is that this is – I still think they this group – this group in Medicine Hat that they have in Medicine Hat is still, I want to say, one or two years away from hitting their their peak, so to speak. Is that I think the year that you're going to look at Medicine Hat being a powerhouse is McKenna's draft year for sure. Maybe next year. Not I sure. I think how it's you... it's moving more so towards next year. I think only because the way Caden Lindstrom is playing is unreal, and he's working him way him, himself into the top 10 of the NHL draft talk this year, and maybe even the top five. And with that, he'll play his eight next year, likely in the WHL, and then he'll be gone. So there's a good chance he'll be gone for what would be his age 19 season. So, you know, you got to win with him here. That would be next year. It'd be the first year of the Ruck Twins for the Tigers, and Gavin McKenna at his age 17 season, still not draft eligible, but... And if you brought that up to the, the Tigers right now, Nathan, they'd look at you and say, but why can't we win this year? And I think they truly yeah. believe it, that this, why not this year? You know, there is no powerhouse in the East. Why not us? Which is a w- interesting mindset to take. Well, it's a good mindset, but yeah. they're, no, not, they're not that far off from an 11-win season. So if they could go on a run this year, it would be pretty crazy. Yeah, like, that's, like I'm not – that's. Just to, just to say, like, I'm saying it's scary in Medicine Hat right now because they could oh, still yeah. reali- realistically – I could still realistically see them in the Eastern Conference Final this year, if not – Yeah. If, if not further, right? With No, for I, sure. And it's a discussion I've had as well around the team that before, even before the season, talking about windows and because that's how junior hockey works, right? No team and all sports. You're not going to be good forever, but you're going to be good in pockets especially in a league where you can't retain guys for over four or five years, right? They're age out. So you're good in pockets and it's just something the Tigers have made very clear of. Yes, we have those pockets ahead of us, but why not now? So it's, it is, if you're another team, it's maybe a little scary to look at. I don't want to hold them on too high of a pedestal, but things are exciting for the medicine at Tigers right now. And I guess the storyline that uh, is happening Tonight, as we record this, is uh, the Ruck Twins are in Medicine Hat. Just kind of, are they, from what you understand, are they both going to be in the lineup? Is it just going to be one of them? Just uh, how's that working with those with those two guys? Yeah, it's. Uh, I had a story in today's Medicine Hat News. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> quick plug, you know, keep it healthy. But uh, the rule, the WHL rule, obviously, is you can only have one 15-year-old in the lineup at a time or 15-year-old age season at a time. So only one wheel to play at a time tonight against Regina. Liam Ruck will play. He was the ninth overall pick in last year's draft. And then Marcus Ruck, twin brother, picked the 21st. He'll play Saturday when the Tigers host the Brandon Wheat Kings. And funny enough, actually, with Liam in the lineup, there'll be two 15-year-olds. There'll be Liam Ruck, who was drafted in 2023, and Gavin McKenna, who was drafted in 2022 and is still 15 until December 20th. So different draft years so they're okay with the rules but it's just kind of funny that there will be two 15 year olds in the lineup for the Tigers tonight it's crazy to think that if McKenna was born if McKenna was born two weeks later 
he would have been he would have been a Prince Albert Raider. He would exactly would he would have been a Prince Albert Raider because he's a December twentieth or December twentieth, twenty second or something like that. But yeah, no, it's the twentieth. You know it no, more than I, I do. I just know it. Don't yeah. <laughs> it's weird, but it's 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 part of the job. So yeah, that's crazy. He would have been a Prince Albert Raider, and things would have been very. It would have been a very different outlook. Not that it's not a good one already or a great one for the Raiders, but to add a talent like that first overall would have been uh, pretty special with the rest of your prospect, the Raiders prospect group. I still think they're pretty happy with having Jackson Rudolph, though. So for sure, for sure, yeah. Um, but speaking of the Raiders, just got. Just got back home from the U.S. Division road trip. Four two zero and one was the record on that on that trip, which I think through it's a seven game trip, and given one of the games is in Lethbridge and not all games in the U.S. Division, but I think you got to be pretty pretty happy with that trip, considering uh, just the just the travel and the amount of travel from Prince Albert all the way to Washington and. The qual the caliber of teams that you play down there, you have to anytime take- you can. Sorry, Nathan. Anytime you can have a winning record on a trip like that, perfect. Especially when you double up the wins and losses like that. That's that's perfect. That's exactly what uh, the doctor orders, and I'm sure they would have not wanted to lose three games. But you know what? No one's perfect. So, but it, have you talked to, or is there a lot of happiness around the team about their trip? I think they're. I'm sure they they would have told you that they they would have rather they would have loved to go five and two instead of four two zero and one after the shootout loss in uh, Wenatchee there, but uh, I think it keeps it keeps the team right where they want to be. Like currently, they're I know they played more games than it, they played the most games of anybody in the Eastern Conference at the moment, but thirteen ten zero and two on the season is where. Uh, the Raiders are at right now, and I think you have to be pretty happy with that. With, yeah, uh, a shootout loss in Wenatchee, that's kind of unfair. I mean, they still have the guys in Geeky and Savoy, and not that the Raiders don't have guys, but those are drafted talents. Those are, yeah, <laughs> you're like, not lucky, but you're happy to take away a point from uh, the Wenatchee Wild at this point. And I think the one guy who who was absolutely – played very, very well on the road trip was uh, Max Hildebrand. Max Hildebrand was unbelievable on the road trip. Like, pulling up his game-by-game stats here. Doing the same thing. (laughs) Pulling up his game-by-game stats here. He played, so 23 saves on 25 shots in Lethbridge, 27 Saves on 29 shots in Spokane. In relief of Chase Coward, he made 10 saves on 11 shots in Tri-City. Against the Seattle Thunderbirds, he made 26 saves on 28 shots. In Portland, 42 saves on 43 shots. And then in Wenatchee, obviously... 25 saves on on 28 shots, but that Portland game, I think, I know he has a shutout this year on opening night against the Moose Jaw Warriors. I could, I would argue that was probably his best game of the season. Was was the game in Portland, just with the amount of firepower that team has, and how he was able to control rebounds, not give them 
any second chances and just played a very, very, very good game between the pipes and which led to the Raiders getting the win there. So who didn't he didn't face Everett on the road trip? That's the only team. Um, right? He didn't face Everett. That was a Chase Coward start. And yeah. Chase Coward and came in the, relief. Chase Coward started that game in Kennewick, but that first period was a disaster. Um so and most and it wasn't on it wasn't on Chase. It was on the guys the in team, front of him. Yeah. Didn't didn't play to to the best of their ability, and that's kind of what I understand. It, it was they had to change something after that first period, is what I, is what I, and it wasn't because Chase wasn't playing up to his caliber. It was just team wasn't playing well in front of him, giving uh, Tri City too many too many chances. And it doesn't matter who you are in this league if you give. If you don't if you don't play well in this league, it doesn't matter who you're playing, they're gonna bury you. Yeah. And that's what happened in uh in Kennewick. Yeah, and you know, just looking at Max Hildebrand's stats as of late, and he's looked really good this season, and I know that's no surprise if you're a Raiders fan, but there's only been a couple games where he's maybe got uh lit up or taken advantage of in net and other than that, he looks really good, and he kind of – we continue to talk about it, but he erased a lot of question marks for this team so far. Yeah, Him and Coward, obviously, but a lot of Max Hildebrand because – or Hildebrand went down with injury, so it's good that he's bouncing back like this. Yeah, and I think – and he's just kind of one of those guys that you like to cheer for since he was a 13th-round pick <laughs> originally <Yeah. laughs> by the Raiders back in 2019, so he was taken right after they won their championship, right? Yeah. No, that's good, and it's that's something uh, the Raiders can build off of, and uh, it's always good to have a good guy in that. There's a couple teams around yeah. the league right now that are battling injuries between the pipes, and Raiders don't really have to worry about that with their two-headed monster. Uh, and I, the one thing I hope for Max is that I know he's played really well so so far this season. Just the count, the counting stats: thirteen games played, eight four zero and one. A .919 save percentage, 2.52 goals against average as of recording. I really hope he gets, as a 19-year-old, I hope he gets at least a look by Team Canada for the World Juniors. I know that there's a lot of other goaltenders in that conversation that you you could say, like I'm sure the one guy that pops that that pops out to me that should also get a look for that World Junior team is Harrison Medigan and Lethbridge, if we're talking about goaltenders who have been un- unbelievable this season, because I think Medigan's played all but two or three games for the Hurricanes this season. If I'm yeah, not I think pretty close. Medigan, to me, is the goaltender of the year so far. Carson Bjarnason just hasn't gotten back to his level yet. I mean, Yard, um, Jan Spoonar, Spoonar sorry, in uh, Portland's been good too, but no, Harrison Medigan is... Yeah becoming that goalie and it's always a Lethbridge goalie that's almost a boogeyman and it's like uh oh and the last one I can like I wasn't I didn't cover the league when it was Stuart Skinner or other good Lethbridge goalies but like Sebastian Kosha in Edmonton was scary goaltender for teams to face and Harrison Menigan's working his way towards that yeah and I we've had conversations about this before but looking back at that playoff series in 2017 on a total 
totally different tangent than what we were going to talk about, but that <laughs> play, playoff series in 2017 between the Hurricanes and Tigers. I think the main difference. The reason that I think the reason the Hurricanes won that series in seven is because they had Stuart Skinner as their goaltender. Yeah, and, sure seems like it. And I mean, nothing, nothing against Michael Bullion, who was the the netminder for the Tigers at the time. Obviously, he's went on to play U Sports and all that that good jazz. But I mean, he's not Stuart Skinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's. And I'm sure he, I'm sure he would admit to that too. And sometimes the better goalie wins. And so far, Portland or we have Portland, but mostly the point I was trying to make is Prince Alberts had that goaltender in uh, Max Hildebrand and a little Chase Coward. That sometimes a goalie is going to steal you a game, and that's just a nice way to get wins. Yeah, and uh, I guess we'll transition to what was kind of one of the main things that uh, we wanted to to tackle. This this episode, I know it's still with the amount of parity in this league, it's kind of hard to do this now or any time. But uh, talk about some certain teams in the league. Talk talk about certain trade chips they might have on their roster, and will 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 they stand pat? Will they buy? Will they sell? Let's kind of make ourselves armchair GMs for the next few minutes here and. Try to try to try to make some predictions. This is more so an exercise to look back on in uh, January when when everything's all said and done. But uh, yeah, we wrote down. It is crazy though that it is like the middle of November and we are uh, twenty two for the Tigers twenty two games in to the season. It is crazy looking back and like where did the season go? And it's over a quarter of the way through it already. Yeah, and I I know this year we we sure we've seen like the um Kalen Parker Sherman trade with Mustron Victoria, but besides that, I don't think there's been any major move any any trades you would look at and say like that's a really really major move. Like last year, you had the Nolan Allen trade done by this time. Yeah, Nolan Allen was sent to Seattle a week ago this time last year. Um, it was around this time, eh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it was November 16th is when we ran a story. but And I know we, we had Allen trade stuff for split between two days just because it fell on a Wednesday with our print schedule. Um, yeah. The only one that would kind of stand it, like Graydon Seatman going to Saskatoon from Calgary. It's kind of up there as well with the Moose Joe Victoria trades. But yeah. Um, yeah, there's been no big swing and I don't know if there's going to be this year. I mean, the big, um, I don't know if this is spoiling and so I apologies, but it is, it's in the Western conference. The big chip is Fraser Minton, right? And he's been the name that's been talked about for a long time. And wherever he ends up will be the biggest move, whether that's a team in the East or a team in the West. And um, I think we were going to focus more on the East right now, weren't we, Nathan? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think all, all all of the teams we have written down are in the East, except with the exception of one, right? Which and is, I think, and I think that yeah. that team might be the most that team in the West might be the most interesting conversation. But we'll get to it when we we'll, we'll get to it to a second here, and we'll we'll just go in order here. All right, you the first, off. The first team I wrote down as a possible 
like team I could see them adding. I could see them maybe selling off a guy or two, but still being competitive is the Swift current Broncos. They, yeah. they obviously have a ton of talented 2004s, we're now 19-year-old players in this league. They're sixth in the Eastern Conference. 11-10-0-1 is the record on the season. And I just wrote down four guys that I think could possibly could possibly be on the move. Could, they could maybe move one of these guys for help somewhere else on their roster. But and still be competitive. I'm not saying like all four of these guys are going are not going to be Swift current Broncos, but who knows? Maybe if the price is right, they move what they move one of these guys. And this is just purely for purely yeah, just purely speculative. Look back on in January and see how right or wrong we were. But kind of the four guys I wrote down that stood out from Swift Current were Matthew Ward. Owen Pickering, Connor Vidston, and Josh Feldman are the four guys that stick out to me as are they available for the right price? I know that the team's been playing better after uh Prot's been Prot was uh suspended, but I still think as nineteen year olds, I believe all of them without the ex- with the exception of Ward have been drafted by NHL teams. I know Philman and Pickering are signed. I don't believe Vidston was signed by Anaheim, but it is. Sorry, um, yeah. For me, like looking at Swift Current, it is as you mentioned. This is a team that could buy or sell, and who knows? And I mean, they've already bought a little bit. They acquired Matthew Keeper earlier this week from the Kamloops uh, Blazers, and that's due to Reed Dick going down with injury, which kind of, I mean. The WHL weekly report hasn't been updated in two weeks, so who knows what kind of injury it is. Um, from everything I've heard, it doesn't sound good. It's going to be a bit of a lengthy one here. So that's their starting goaltender. So Joey Rocha is going to play good in net, but we'll see where that carries the uh, the Broncos. And there's a good chance Owen Pickering's going to go play at the World Juniors for Canada. So what's that going to do to them? And there's a lot of questions around Swift Current. This is their year because, as you mentioned, these guys are all 19. Owen Pickering's probably going to go play in the NHL next season. There's a good chance, just with the Pittsburgh Penguins knowing them and their need for cost-controlled uh, players. He's a young guy making a lot of making very little money. Josh Philman, I don't know if the New Jersey Devils need. He's a New Jersey Devil guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A nice brain day for me. Uh, I don't know if the Devils need Philman next year, but. You know, that's the problem with 19-year-olds that are drafted. You just don't know where they're going to play next year. So there is a lot of questions around Swift Current. I could see they're sixth in the East, like you said, so I don't know if they're going to move guys out. But if they fall, maybe they would. I think they still want to try to win with this group, at least make the playoffs with this group. They haven't done that yet. That's kind of crazy. But, yeah, it is. they are the most interesting team in the East, I think, uh, Nathan, of what can happen or what they will do come trade deadline day. And as you've outlined, those are four players that will be uh, key in either moving out or enticing uh, options to bring in other players. Yeah, like I'm just thinking, especially a guy like Pickering, you could get, I don't know if you could get a Nolan Allen type package back for him, but to get some picks and some guys that can still help help your club this year, and next year, because I'm 
I think it's safe to say, even if Pickering's not in the NHL with Pittsburgh next year, he's playing in the American League next year for sure. Yeah. For, and for... I totally agree. And there is no, I'm trying to think of all the teams that would want to buy. They either oh. have a defenseman like Pickering, so he would be a supplementary piece like that, in the sense of that they already have their guy that's a puck moving offensive defenseman. It's tough. Because like Saskatoon has that guy, right? And so does Moose Jaw. Um, I don't know the West good enough. Sorry, go the, ahead. The one team that kind of stood stood out to me is possibly using the, the the two main buyers in the West for me that I think would be interested in a guy like Pickering Services would be like Prince George or Portland. Oh, he'd be good on Prince George. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I always. I always forget about Prince George, but no, that how can I? They're really good too. Um, it's <laughs> like I said, so we're current. They're the most interesting team in the East to me, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do and where they uh, fall in the standings and what that does for them. Yeah, should be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, with with the with Prot Prot being out, to see if that helps kickstart this team a little bit with a new new direction behind the bench while he's suspended indefinitely here. But uh, staying in in the East, Eastern Conference, but heading to Manitoba, the Brandon Wheat Kings. Seventh in the Eastern Conference, 9-9-4-1 on the season. So there's quite a few points on the board there that I'm sure Brandon would, would love to have, having essentially an extra five points on the board there. With uh, the OT loss, o- overtime and shootout losses there, but I I wrote down two names as guys I could possibly see other teams being interested in. I think the the one guy that I think Brandon would have to really go on a slide here for the for the second name to be moved. But the two names I wrote down for Brandon that kind of st- stick out to me as possible possibly garnering some interest on the trade market. You got a guy like Ryland Roisma, 19-year-old kid, originally originally from Lethbridge actually, Brandon and their Brandon and their Lethbridge connections, I tell you. <laughs> Ridley Gregg, they got Carter Klippenstein, Ryland Roisma, they always seem to have Lethbridge guys on that team. Um he he could play a solid role for for somebody somebody down the stretch and then the main name I wrote down was was Nate Danielson. Now put down your pitchforks, Brandon fans. <laughs> We're not going for Nate Danielson to be traded. I just yeah. <laughs> did you um reach out to anyone in Brandon to talk about this? Not on the team, obviously, but just kind of their thoughts on this. I I spoke to Perry, and he sees it as highly, highly unlikely. That's where I I fall to is just that. They don't strike me as a team that would move their guy, but um, he would certainly. If I don't know if the GMs in this league have a group chat, but like if it was Danielson's available, that would be banana lands. I don't even know what the return would be for a player like that. It'd be high. Yeah, and and I'm just looking back at at the point, like some of the points that Perry made during when I talked to him. He's not like Brandon. He he's like Brandon hasn't missed the playoffs back to back years in I think over thirty years. 
So I think the expectation there is to get back get back to the playoffs this season. There's not yeah. the, the Memorial Cup isn't in the WHL this year. So you're not going to have the as wild trade market as we saw a year ago. But you you just right. you're just not going to see it and and the amount of parity that's in the league this year compared to last year is probably going to going to hurt hurt the trade market as a whole. You're not going to see you're not really going to see the Edmontons, the Winnipegs, the Seattles of years past this year just load up and get Everybody, right? I think you might see a team add one major piece down the road. Like I could see teams adding like maybe a like whoever adds Fraser Minton if Fraser Minton's moved. Yeah. I see that being that that being their one big move. I don't see them doing what Seattle did last year where they get Brad Lambert and Dylan Gunther and Luke Prokop and Nolan Allen. I don't see a team going bananas like that this year. I no. really, really don't. But... And if you're in the WHL, there's or in the Eastern Conference especially, the idea of facing the Brandon Wheat Kings and what if Carson Bjarnason just turns it on for a week? You're in trouble. Like, it's not that he hasn't been good this year. He's been really good. But yeah. he hasn't maybe been where he's been, like, at the level he's been before. And he'll get there, I imagine. But if he turns it on, if Nate Danielson goes legend for a week, they could win yeah. a series. Those two guys. Yeah, exactly, and exactly, and I'm be honest, it's untouchable, definitely for sure. I just wrote down those two guys because they're nineteen. Uh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's um, they're a team to watch as well. I think you uh, you nailed it right that they are. Keep an eye on them, and especially I didn't realize that stat from Perry. Obviously, Perry Bergson, uh, the Brandon son, would have that just available. That they haven't missed the playoffs twice or back to back in thirty years, yeah, they are. <laughs> Brandon's not missing the playoffs, so they can control it. That's, uh, but no, definitely a team to watch. Yeah, I could def- definitely see Brandon being a team that more so tries to add maybe a not necessarily a major piece like like a Fraser Minton, but I can see them making a a complimentary add. They could get a scorer. They wouldn't like if just because it's a name we've already mentioned. They could use a Josh Millman or a Matt Ward kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Will those will those two future division rivals make a business <laughs> move like that? That's what we're all excited to, to find out. But uh, I will say. Moving to the central division, the Calgary Hitman. Yeah. Ninth in the East. Ninth in the Eastern Conference, nine ten two and zero, two two and zero on the season, and as of recording, they are just two points back of the Regina Pats for the final playoff spot and have two games in hand on uh, on the Pats. Yeah, that Calgary team—they just didn't get the start they wanted. Obviously, uh, made a move to ship uh, Seatman out. They still have some really good players on that roster. I do. Um, I don't know. Have you highlighted them more as a buyer or a seller? Because I could see them. Uh, so I could see them going both ways. It's kind of like a swift current thing to me, Nathan, that they have this talent that they can move, but I could also yeah. see them wanting to buy and not wanting to miss the playoffs. Yeah. They've, they like, 
like like I said, I think with Calgary, it's going to depend on their stretch from now until January 10th. Yeah. Like I, I have a feeling this year is going to build up to be a wild trade deadline because nobody's going to want to make moves until then. No, it'll be everyone will want to get uh, to see exactly where they are in the standings and there'll be a lot of decisions made on maybe even January 8th to 10th. Depends on where teams play in between then and then on this is the team we're yeah. going to be this year. Or this is where what we should do. Yeah, and just for parity's sake, I wrote down some names on Calgary's roster that I think could spark some interest. I wrote 19-year-old Carter McAdams, who they got with the Zach Funk trade with the Prince George Cougars a year ago. Um, Sean Chagall on that list. Tyson Greenway, and then Galloway. I'm trying to remember. Is his first name Tyson? I just want to confirm his first name I believe name it's here. Tyson Galloway, yeah. I'm just going to confirm his first name. I'm somewhere. looking it up. We're both Googling. This isn't good podcast. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. It, uh, and then obviously the last name, and it is Tyson Galloway. Um, the last name there is Carter Yakubchuk, and he's the draft eligible defenseman. Wouldn't usually see a guy move like that, but if they're truly going to go scorched earth and try to build a nice core around Noah Kozik, who they got eighth overall this year. Uh, I believe eighth, seventh or eighth. Um, he was like eleven, yeah. I think. Eleven or twelve. Oh, was he eleventh? Yeah. He uh, fell out the well, top ten. That's right. You're right. Look at you with your knowledge. Um, yeah, like there's lots of guys there. Like Sean Chagall, he's a he's a twenty year old, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's been in the league forever, so that would be quite the ad for a team. Very few teams have a twenty year old slot available. Some do. Uh, Prince Albert's one of them. To we add a guy like that for a player, sorry, we don't have a twenty-year-old slot anymore. We got Jacob Pafrogi to fill it. That's right, right. Whoops. Um, but I mean, to add a twenty-year-old like Son, uh, Sean Chagall would be unreal for a playoff run, and that's uh, what teams like to do: is bring in a veteran like that that can put the puck in the back of the net and just tell it as it is as a veteran. And and I think the other thing that you need to like if Calgary evaluates to say like, okay, we're Sure, we're going to be a playoff team, but our upside here might be, you know, first round. For if we do make the playoffs, it's going to be a first round exit to Medicine Hat, Saskatoon, whoever. Um, you 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 could look at that and say, give a guy like Chagall, for example, who's got one one last kick of the can in the Western League here, because if you move him on to a a real competitor. That that and give him a chance to to maybe go out with a WHL championship. I think that I think that's a move that has to be um, considered. Yeah, and I think you'd get a first rounder for him, and it will be. And we keep mentioning it, but it is true that in like even if Calgary does finish eighth and Saskatoon takes the conference, you know what? I like on any given night. Tell me that Calgary can't beat Saskatoon. I could see it. Where like last year, you're not saying that. So not exactly. with Saskatoon, but with like Winnipeg or um, anyone. And yeah, there's just I think that's going to play a lot into it. And it might be a boring deadline, or it might be a really exciting deadline. But I think that's uh, that's the main storyline of this. And I mean, we're probably going to keep bringing it up here, but that is the main storyline of the league this year is parity. 
Yeah, like this is the year it's not going to shock me if a seven seed beats a two seed in the first round. No, no, you're right. And that that would have been like unheard of last year talking about the – I don't think anybody would have said last year that Calgary – that Medicine Hat would beat Winnipeg in the first round or Calgary would beat Red Deer in the first round no. last year. That, that just wasn't going to happen. No, I'm sure there was players that wanted it to happen, but uh... – yeah, it just wasn't wasn't in the cards. Yeah, and then I guess we'll we'll talk about our last Eastern Conference team before we talk about the lone team in the Western Conference, which I think is going to be a whole um conversation yeah. in itself when we when we head out west. But the last Eastern Conference team, the Regina Pats, eighth in the Eastern Conference, record of ten, eleven, one, and one on the season as of recording. It's obviously going to change after the game in Medicine Hat tonight. But uh, I just wrote down th- three names. Um, two of them are 19. One of them is only 18. And might not might not be moved this year. But uh, there's been speculation. But uh, I wrote Boria Vallis, Ty Spencer, and Tanner Howe as the three potential trade chips on the Regina Pats roster at the moment. But... Uh, what yeah, about was... Connor Bedard? Someone will try to trade for his rights. <laughs> the, like, I was... Uh, there's no way... He, he's the one that wouldn't get sent back, though. Like, no. Kevin Korczynski, maybe. I mean, Kevin Korczynski's playing, like, 20 minutes a night, so he's not coming back. But, um, yeah, that would... Imagine... Like, this is a very... Um, I don't... Like, I don't know what the word... I forget the word right now, but... Like if Connor Bernard got sent back, oh my goodness, what that would do for the league, everything. I mean, it would be an embarrassment, in the sense of like the Blackhawks should never send a player like that back. But it'd be crazy. It'd be banana lance. Yeah, the the, the WHL would just melt into anarchy at that point um, <laughs> if Connor Bernard got sent back. But yeah, no, I like I look at Vallis as someone. I think Vallis could slot to play into I'm sure there's somebody out there that wouldn't mind adding Vallis to play in their top six. So, somewhere yeah. somewhere I don't I don't know I don't have a crystal ball. I couldn't tell you which team would that would make sense to add, but I mean Ty Spencer could be a solid top nine guy for for somebody and obviously Tanner Howe I bet you could play on the top line for anybody. He'd be pretty close to every, almost every team's top line. That kid can sling the puck towards the net or in, in a pass. And yeah, he, he's an interesting one. I, and it, again, it'll rely totally on um, how Regina ends up in the standings. Again, it's a, hard to move a draft eligible guy, but this is his 18 year old season with that late birthday. So, yeah, yeah it is. Sorry, he doesn't turn eighteen for another six, six or seven days, I think. So, well, happy early birthday to Tanner Howe. There you go. And like the thing about Tanner is, like, sure he's not the the biggest guy, but he's just very, very smart, very intelligent, great hockey hockey IQ. So even if he's not the big the biggest guy, he knows how to position himself. He knows what areas he needs to get into to 
have a dangerous chance not only for himself, but at areas he needs to get to to set up his teammates as well. And that's what makes him such a dangerous scorer and playmaker. If if I was in my hypothetical GM chair right now, I want him on my power play. I want him touching the puck a lot on that power play, and I just want him anywhere on that team. Yeah, he is. I'm sure there'll be calls to Regina, whether they're eighth in the standings, seventh, sixth, or twelfth. Twelfth's not possible. Eleventh. Um, yeah, there's going to be calls about Tanner Howe this uh, this trade deadline. Well, will he be moved? We don't have a crystal ball, but we're just spitballing some guys that could possibly be out there on the on the market and gain some some attention. But uh, that's that's one guy for sure. Is uh, I say he moves next year. Yeah, or Regina, like Regina, could hold on to him next year, depending on what pieces they have coming up and whatnot. That he could also very easily be be there next year. I think if they do move him, if they do move him, I think you want a seventeen. You want a seventeen, yeah. Set like a seventeen year old that you can grow on your blue line would be. Yeah, that's something I think the Regina Pats could very much use right now, and that, and it would take that plus, you know. Whatever sweeteners, picks, and a fine selection of meat and cheeses. Um, What's your favorite charcuterie board piece? I don't know. I don't. I don't really have charcuterie boards. It's just kind of a, a joke. <laughs> a joke I've 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 picked up with all the trades last oh, okay. year. I like a good prosciutto. Just just to to be like, I I think the joke. I think the joke originated from. I got to give credit to Joel Henderson. I think he was the one who kind of started that joke. And I just kind of, <laughs> I kind of picked it up from him because he was tweeting about the Nolan Allen trade. And it's like, I'm like, Dan, I always, I always skip over the charcuterie board in the, in the trade details. <laughs> Cause that's the you only can't, thing. You can't. That's, that's yeah. the only, that's like the only thing Curtis Hunt didn't get in the Nolan Allen package last year was the charcuterie board. But um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Joel Henderson. He released a song on Spotify called Maybe I'm Lucky. Uh, he goes under the name of Poor Nameless Boy on Spotify. He, While he's extremely talented at uh, finding prospects for the WHL draft and young talent, he's a really good singer too, and I think people should uh, check him out. He's a friend of the show, and we uh, we love ourselves and Joel. There, there you go. Sorry, and Nathan. Unpaid ad. Unpaid ad. Not a problem. I was going to give Joel... Give tell people to check out Joel's work because he does a good job with uh, what he does, obviously. And then, yeah, should should we move on to the West now, or is there anything else you wanted to add about any of our Eastern Conference teams? I think we should move on to the West, and I just want to preface it by saying this isn't the only team that'll make moves. This is just the the team that is clogging up the entire league with question marks about what they're going to do. I see it is this is the team with the most amount of question marks around them. Yeah. Cause right. Yeah. Cause the team in the Western conference that we wrote down as what are they going to do? The Wenatchee wild second in the Western conference at the moment, 14, eight, two and all record 
but you look at the you look at their draft pick cupboard and some of the pieces that they have available that that they have on their roster at the moment and they could and if they just and I don't think Bliss Lister's necessarily going to go for the nuclear codes and <laughs> blow everything up but they have some pieces there that I think would garner would garner a lot of interest and help them kind of restock that maybe get them a couple first round picks back, well, back in that cupboard that they that they don't have for the next three years like they you don't talked have... about guys getting the charcuterie boards and trades they need cans of beans they need rice they need anything in those cupboards because they're bare they're empty and yeah like they in my opinion they got to make some moves here it's enticing to be second in the conference and make a playoff run and we can't forget that they are a new franchise. So that'll leave like, what do you want to leave the taste of your first season with in your, with your fans? How do you want them to see it? But man, yeah. what, uh, what a decision to make. Exactly. And I'll say, um, yeah, I think the highest pick Wenatchee owns in the next three drafts at the moment, is a third round pick, and but I think that pick's not till the twenty five draft, and that was from the off season trade of Carson Latimer to the Red Deer Rebels. Yeah, that sounds like great. A, I think it was a three and a five they got back from Red Deer in that trade, and I think that's the highest pick they own in the next three drafts. And I think the current upcoming draft, the highest pick they have is in, is in the fifth round. That I sounds right. I can remember. I remember writing about that kind of recently and that yeah they just don't have many picks uh picks available and i mean they've got it'll i'll take a turn reading players names um just to give you a bit of a break but they've got lots of guys uh obviously matt savoy just returned from the buffalo savers connor geeky graham sward uh ashley Con- oh i don't know as many names as i thought nathan you yeah. gotta take over uh, like obviously what you've named evan friesen yeah uh, and Carter Prasovsky were kind of the names I wrote down. Cumby, Cumby, I look at him, he's he's an 05, so he's 18 at the moment. I see him, in my mind, I look at Cumby and with what he brings to the table, and there's one team that's, that stands out as a team I think that would love his services, but I don't think this trade happens this year. I think it's a trade that happens in the off season or into next year. Uh, like so, I think he'll be he'll be in Wenatchee for this year. But the but the one team that sticks out to me is being a team that would be very interested in a guy like Ashton Cumby next year is Medicine Hat. Oh yeah, because you're losing those three twenty year olds off the blue line at the end of this year. And, to, and if they brought in a guy like that next year to kind of help alleviate that blow of losing those three 20-year-olds. And I don't think he'll necessarily cost you cost you a King's Ransom. That just, to me, that just screams like a typical Willie move. But uh, I don't think you're wrong. I, kind of, I like your thinking, Nathan. It's something I've talked about with people before of they will need to supplement their D. And I think you're on the right tracks there. Like I'm, I'm not saying this happens this year. I'll predict. No, I'll, my crystal ball says this happens in the off season or next or next season sometime. 
Yeah. That's and as much as we love uh Sebastian Cumbie trade talk, the big name is Matt Savoy, Connor Geeky, and Graham Sword. And even we're forgetting about because he might not be returned back, but Zach Benson is also yeah. an option here. You know, these are all these are all dudes. These are guys that are going to change a franchise's uh outlook as soon as they're traded to them. But like they're not coming back next year. Most of them or all of them aren't coming back. So it's what is Wenatchee going to do with them? Are they going to keep them this year or are they going to move them? And it's that's the biggest question mark right now. Cuz I think you could you could still be a very competitive team. Like you you could still move one of Matt Savoy or Connor Geeky and still have a competitive team but but have picks picks in the cupboard there, right? Get a get a first round and get you probably get two first round picks back for like if you trade Savoy, I think you're getting like a two first round pick package, maybe like a Nolan, maybe a Nolan Allen type package back for a, a Matthew Savoy. Um, I think so. I think it starts both of those guys. Well, at least Savoy starts with two first round picks. I don't know um, about Geeky. Geeky's gonna get you at least one, maybe yeah. two. But no, those like they're game breakers, and there's very few game breakers in this league right now. Shouldn't say that. There are some, but three of them are on Musha. So, um, but no, they're very high elite players, and every team wants that type of player, and they might be available, and we'll see who goes out and gets them, or they might not even be available, and we'll see how far of a run Wenatchee can go on. Right. In in my prediction here, I could see one of I see Wenatchee holding on to one of Savoy or Geeky and moving the other. So I can see that to, to try to hit that balance of being being because because they got off to the start that they they got off to, but they didn't have Matthew Savoy for a majority of that because he was. On conditioning reassignment in the American in the American League, and also coming back from well, come and was injured for a little bit too, right? So and I and he play, and he did play for Buffalo too as well, didn't he? Or was it just had, the AHL? He played one game, and I think he got like four minutes and thirty seconds of ice time. Oh, good. Okay, good for for Buffalo. That's why they. That's why he ended up coming back because he wasn't going to play a significant amount. I could see. Because the trade deadline falls right after the World Juniors, um, I think the like the World Juniors are done by then, right? Or they're still going on? Yeah, you know, they would be yeah, done because be done. you can't yeah. trade during the yeah. Um, I could see them moving Savoy and then trading the rights to Zach Benson, just in case. Like if Zach Benson gets sent to the World Juniors, maybe the Sabers go. You know what? Go win a championship. We'll have you full time again next year. He is playing full-time now, but, you know, we've seen it happen before uh, with Dylan Gunther. We saw it last year. So maybe yeah. they try that again, and I think that would be really good, uh, a good move for Wenatchee, even if you don't get Benson back and you don't get those conditionals. But there's yeah. lots of options, and they are truly holding up the trade market, in my opinion, the high-end trade market, I should say, because they have all these cards in their hands, and which way are they going to play them? Are they going to hold them? Are they going to fold them? You know, Kenny Rogers. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just predict that I think like 
With Ge- with Benson only being 18, I see that move a little bit. Price tag is going to be significantly higher because he could still theoretically end up in the WHL next year as well and not count towards your 20-year-old cap. Um, uh, but I think thing- that would be a trade. Sorry, Nathan. Uh, that would be full of conditionals, not only in the sense of does he get returned, but does he come back next season? Yeah. And what was I going to yeah, like, and he's been injured, and in, he was injured in Buffalo. Like, I think he was out week week to week last time I checked. So, oh. who knows? Maybe after that injury, I don't know Buffalo situation in the NHL. But if they make a move at the NHL level and they have to, and Benson's kind of the odd man out there, then they, he ends up in Wenatchee once he gets back from this injury, and that just makes that team even better. And that's and that and that's the thing with Benson too is that. Sure, you move a Savoy, but you get Benson coming back. Benson just fills that gap left. And if you're able to move Savoy to get a couple, maybe a player or two plus draft picks, like like those players that can still help your team this year, but also in future years, that's that would be that would be pretty major for them. I'm not I'm not gonna name teams or named guys that I think would um, make sense on the Wenatchee roster because I don't think it's fair to do that to guys. I know I just did it with Ashton Cumbie, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm not no, going to totally, do it. I totally agree. And we will probably the next time we'll talk more about the trades. Trades will be the trade deadline day, I, I imagine. Or we'll talk about it a little bit leading up to it, but uh, just to tease it, if we will, Nathan, that uh, – we plan on doing trade deadline day coverage that would come yeah. out the day after, kind of reaction coverage. Yeah, assuming assuming none neither of our teams go absolutely bonkers and that we're at the office until late, late at night writing up uh trade deadline well, coverage for, for work. We well, we got a nine thirty deadline, so once it hits nine thirty five, well, I'll be ready. So uh, which uh, is ten thirty your time. <laughs> mine's earlier than mine's a lot earlier than that but <laughs> yeah so that's our but, plan at least for right now is to uh do some trade deadline day coverage like that so that's a while away still that's next year ha yeah. ha ha so keep an eye out yeah put um, <laughs> um but yeah the, that's that's how i see wenatchee boiling down is that i think one of savoy geeky Will be will be moved, and if and if they for for a couple younger players and some draft picks to try to make keep that their success is sustainable, because even because I think it's been shown in the league before that sure you get uh, the top end guys are great, but you can still find successful players in this league later in the first round, or even. Or even lower, if uh, if you if you got this if you scout right, like I'm sure this will. I'm not sure you know this fact, James, but then this might surprise you. But uh, Jagger Furkis wasn't taken in the WHL draft until the fourth round. Oh my so, goodness! So you can find he yeah. was also he was also like five foot five when he got drafted, but uh, and now it's the Furkis Circus. And now, and now the Furcus. There's been two three ring Furcus circuses in Prince Albert this year. 
I want to talk about those t-shirts. That is the greatest marketing piece this league has ever seen in the the Mustra Warriors. I believe it's is it if he scores a hat trick and they win or what is it like with the Furcus Circus I, shirts? I'm I'm, I'm not sure you'd have to ask somebody more familiar with the Warriors than me. I'm looking it up. About cuz I know that they they did it for like a 24-hour limited release. And I don't, I'm not sure if they're going to ever bring them back again or if it was just a one-time 24-hour limited release. I'm pretty sure it's uh, based on their success that night and if he has a good night. And I'm just trying to find uh, – I need you to vent for a little bit and carry on. But yeah. uh, Okay, so when you say there was Fergus, three-ring circuses in Prince Albert, what does that mean? Patrick. That's what I thought. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Simple as that, eh? Because okay. he, he's got two hat tricks against Prince Albert this year, and I are both of them at the Yardhauser Center, or is one what's one of them in Mustra? Um, I think no, one of them was in Mustra, one of them was at the Yardhauser Center, but still, he's got two hat tricks against the Prince Albert Raiders this year. He likes torch and the Raiders. I mean, yeah. that's when if you're gonna have success like that, it should come in the division. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, with what you want. And I think the one game he had the hat trick, the Raiders came back, and that was like the Raiders were playing a 3-3 three and three on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders, there's they've been... We talked about it with a little bit when we had uh, Nolan Cowell on, and um, yeah, it just <laughs> wasn't... You guys have been nailed with... The Raiders, pardon me, have been nailed with the schedule this season. Because, yeah, like, obviously, the Raiders are... We'll be back at home this weekend against Moostra and Brandon after their seven-game trip that through Lethbridge in the U.S. division. So they play two games at home, and then the following weekend, they have a 3-3 three and three through Swift Current, Medicine Hat, Calgary. And I believe the Medicine Hat and Calgary games are a teddy bear toss. Yes, they are. They get to deal with the teddy bear toss. And that so, is, that's tough. So the Raiders will be part of four teddy bear toss games this year. Because they're in Calgary, Medicine Hat, but also in Saskatoon after Christmas is Teddy Bear Toss Night for the Blades. That's uh, tough. Because that is like, it is legitimately tough in the sense of that, like, every Teddy Bear Toss in Calgary's is extreme. It takes 30 minutes to get those bears off the ice sometimes, or it can take a fair walk of time. So it's, you just get a delay in the middle of your game like that that you have to battle yeah. through and. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just, Calgary's is insane. Just, just hope that uh, Max Hildebrand has uh... <laughs> a heck of a night. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So I did before we're gonna because we're gonna end it here. The Fergus Circus shirts come out after uh, Fergus has a huge night and a win. It has to come after a win. They don't do it after losses, and they're only available for twenty four hours. So. Just, I wanted to get that out there. It's good marketing in Moostra. Yeah, for in case anybody was interested in a Furcus Circus. Uh, Which, yeah. Come one, come all. It's the Furcus Circus. Ex- exactly. Exactly. But, yep, that's that's our trying to look into the crystal ball and speculate about uh, the trade deadline coming up. Obviously, the parity in the Western Hockey League is going to make that, the, might make some of these predictions accurate some of these predictions not so accurate but those were just some guys we feel like could possibly be on the move and me trying to call a trade 
that could take place 12 months from now. <laughs> yeah. Always got, you gotta, gotta speculate a little bit. It's a great time. Yeah. So this has been episode number 11 of the two paper guys podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode.